they discovered that the Indians were farmers too. And because relations between the pilgrims and the Indians were relatively good at the beginning, there was an exchange of technology. And the Native Americans really helped them, and you have this period of cooperation between the two groups. They learned that what you have to do is put the seed in the ground, but if you put a fish head uh, along with that, it will grow much better. It must have been a, a strange and curious and wonderful thing to see people using fish meal to make the, the soil more productive and things grow faster and more abundantly. It is not just a one-way trade, there will also be the other way of new European crops coming into the new world. But if it weren't for the Native American communities, the pilgrims would have been wiped out. The success of the pilgrims and their descendants was beyond their imagination. And the country that emerged from this is one of the most successful in world history. So it's not at all surprising that Americans have this belief that America is exceptional. All right, Sandy Rios with you on this Thanksgiving. And it's so, I'm so happy to be with you. This is one of my favorite holidays. And I want to talk today about why they just talked about the miracle of uh, the, the pilgrims learning how to, how to farm and that the natives helped them learn how to do that. That's how they survived. Uh, they'd lost like half of their group, the pilgrims had. It was a terrible winter. And so Thanksgiving was an incredible celebration. And there was, the story was just told, but what they did not really explain was why. Why? Why did that happen? And why is America exceptional? If you don't know or if you've forgotten, then stay tuned today because this is one of the best stories ever. It's the thing our kids never learn anymore. It's the thing that would make them love their country if only they could hear it. So we're here to tell the story today, and I hope that you won't, uh, you know, go anywhere else. Just stay with us to celebrate this Thanksgiving. You know, I think about uh, how innocent people were, were then in some ways. There was a lot of brutality, but I don't think they would have ever thought about killing their own babies. I mean, they probably had to, they had so many babies die. You know, so many women died in childbirth then. You'd have six kids and have two live. You know, it, that's, that wasn't, or four kids or whatever the number, but women lost so many children that their babies' lives were precious, and I don't think they would have wanted to take their lives. You think about how far we've come, how far down we've come. It's become so evil here. Uh, the, the abortion supporters have become even more rabid. Just um, it's, it's almost like we've gone back in time and become pagan. And you know that. I was just discussing with a friend of mine that I've been in the trenches with for years in the battle to save babies and to convince people that life is sacred. And he was saying to me, which is what I believe I've said to you, that he's discovered he's in another state, a different place, that he believes that ultrasounds for the moms are going to be the ultimate solution uh, to help them see what's in them. What is that? That's a baby. It's their baby. It's their baby. Looks like them, maybe already has features. Once they see the ultrasound, over half the women decide, I'm going to keep my baby. And so if you would like to help do that, it's Preborn. Preborn is the one that provides those ultrasounds. Go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. And make your most generous donation on this Thanksgiving. 
You know that this is, I believe I said, Sandy Rios 24-7, and we're so glad to have you. Uh, If you'd like to call us, call us at 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. Or you can write us at sandy at afr.net. You can find us on any podcast platform and any social media platform. And so with that, sit back and relax and enjoy this wonderful, wonderful day that we set apart a long time ago called Thanksgiving, where we thank God for his goodness, for everything he's done for us. We'll talk about that on this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness that we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice, not social justice, but God's justice, what's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association, a pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. Pilgrims came to New England because it seemed to be relatively empty. They could do whatever they wanted, no one would bother them. America represented a fresh page, and especially a clean slate. They just wanted to get out of England. They came for freedom to create a godly city, a place where you could live a pure life, a perfect life under God's rules. If the pilgrims had known what they were in for, they almost certainly wouldn't have done it. They were really on their own, and they had this very tenuous lifeline back to England. It was an incredibly inhospitable environment in terms of climate. New England, of course, had very cold weather in the winter, and so it was very, very difficult for the settlers early on. And that first year was devastating for them. They were dying of starvation. They were dying of disease. One of the things the pilgrims discovered relatively early on was how little they knew about how to farm. Yes, well, that's just a little bit of the story. And, of course, the pilgrims, there are a lot of people that came to America. We could talk about Columbus, and I do, every Columbus Day, because he was not at all what he's portrayed Uh, Is it hard for you to think that perhaps his reputation has been distorted by the modern culture? Well, you could take that to the bank, but we're not talking about Columbus today. We're talking about just the foundings of our country in that first Thanksgiving. And why why are we exceptional? Why is America's history exceptional? I want to start with this. The pilgrims in particular came from Europe, and they were looking for religious freedom, and they formed the foundation, really. They were the, the ancestors of our founding fathers. Uh, there's, we could talk about that, but I want to tell you, just to show you what we're talking about, when they landed um, on November of 1620, they landed on New England. It was so cold, as they, the guy just said in that uh, little drama piece. Um, it was, they got off the ship, And immediately they formed, they got on their knees and prayed. And this is the document that they formulated uh, on this new land. 
and it's called the Mayflower Compact. And it's Old English, so I'm going to try to make it, you know, they use the language of the old King James Bible because King James was was the king then. Uh, But in the name of God, amen. We whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign Lord King James, by the grace of God and Great Britain, France, and Ireland, King, Defender of the Faith, having undertaken for the glory of God an advancement of the Christian faith and honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. We do by these presents solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one another covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic for our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of God's ends. And by virtue uh, to enact and constitute and frame such just and equal laws, ordinances, acts, constitutions, and offices. Now remember, this is long before, more than 100 years before we ever had a constitution. This is what they're saying. They're going to form ordinances and acts, and they're going to be equal uh, from time to time as shall be thought most to meet and convenient for the general good of the colony, under which we promise all due submission and obedience. And that was the very first official document on these shores. Uh, I, that's why many of us believe, and if you don't believe it after we finish today, then we haven't made the case very well. There is a reason why America is exceptional. I've asked Bruce to join me because, after all, he's my sweetheart, and it's Thanksgiving for both of us. Honey, thank you for spending Thanksgivings with me now. <laughs> uh, it's always great. <laughs> or if it, either second or first, I can't de- determine. Favorite holiday. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say Thanksgiving together. Wait a minute. Yeah, we do love this, and we will talk a little bit privately, you know, uh, informally about our fun Thanksgiving memories. But but primarily today, I'm concerned that you know your great history. So, Bruce, we fast forward not that many years, but they had that horrible winter, uh, and they lost, I think, half of the population because Massachusetts was so cold. We mostly know that, don't we? Um, and so... An, I want to just talk about one of the miracles that happened, and I think that um, it would be great if you could tell them how they, how that Thanksgiving meal came about and how they got the help they needed. When the Pilgrims came ashore in Massachusetts, what was to become Massachusetts, um, they were met by people who were Native Americans living in that area, and they developed a relationship. And what was amazing is that there was a person there with the Native Americans who became known as Squanto. And Squanto understood and spoke English. And there's a long story to that. What had happened is he had been originally kidnapped uh, much earlier by a, a previous English settler. He was taken to Spain and was trafficked there. Uh, some monks in Spain rescued him from slavery, taught him, they educated him, and eventually Squanto made his way to England. And while in England, it's, it is thought that he may have actually run into Pocahontas. Um, and after being in England and learning English and being educated further, he returned to what became known as America. And that's where he intersected with the pilgrims. You know, could I interject? One thing I remember is that he 
came back. He was trying to make his way back to America because, after all, he was he was a young guy, a boy, I guess, taken from his family, his tribe. And when he got back, finally, however he got back, on a ship uh, to Massachusetts, it's the area where the pilgrims were, where his family, his tribe had been, and they were gone. They were all dead because of that horrible winter and all this. Right. Um, the area where the pilgrims were was what had been the summer um, camping place for his tribe. And he, of course, returned there looking for his people. There, was, there were none of them left. It's thought that they may have died from a, a virus that may have been brought by previous uh, English settlers to that area. And think of, the, think of the odds of that. Had he comes to this area where the pilgrims come ashore and that he is able to act as a conduit to... A translator. A translator. He's a translator. <laughs> he's an interpreter. He's a guide. Um, that they start, the pilgrims start their settlement with a friendship with the Native Americans. Yeah, and then he taught them how to you know, use fish, to fertilize, and, and he really saved them because they could not communicate. They did have a good relationship with the Indians, but they weren't able to really communicate. And if you've ever been in a foreign country, which we have, it is such a... It isn't really until you learn the language that you really feel at home. Now, I only know that by going to Germany, and I learned rudimentary German, German but once I learned that, I felt... Like I was part of it, and I could understand. And can you imagine? They're trying to communicate to the Indians in a strange land. And think of this clash of cultures. You have people who are wearing skins, um, don't know God, uh, have probably uh, pagan gods that they, that they um, worship. And now this ship comes in with these people in long black coats, big black hats, uh, <laughs> with guns and very white it, very white yeah i <laughs> mean speaking strange it, words it's absolutely <laughs> a clash of conf, uh, of of civilizations potentially but instead of it going badly it goes very well and it was a mutual assistance really because the pilgrims uh, were able to teach certain things to the Indians. We'll just call them the Indians, uh, Native Americans. Oh, you can't say that. I'm Indi- <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm Cherokee Indian. I'm Indian Indian, for heaven's sake. I, right. We were not political, cr- politically correct on this show. All right. So <laughs> then in exchange, uh, the Indians are teaching uh, um, the settlers about how to farm. Uh, they got them introduced to the fur trading uh, business that went through there because... Uh, the Indians were trappers and hunters. And so, I mean, it, it really was a mutual assistance type of relationship. Which takes us to that first Thanksgiving. And here's a little bit of a description of how it really manifested the thankfulness part. Let's listen. Taken captive earlier by the Britons and made a slave, Squanto had escaped, learned English in Britain, and had now returned. He taught the pilgrims how to plant the native maize or corn. And it did save them because the wheat, rye, and barley they brought with them wouldn't take to the sandy soil the corn did. And he showed them how to use the plentiful fish in this river as fertilizer to make the corn grow well. Guanto was this providential instrument used by God. By the next fall, the crop had thrived enough, the pilgrims decided to celebrate and give thanks to God, inviting Massasoit and his immediate family to come feast with them. Unfortunately, nobody explained to Massasoit the meaning of immediate family. He brought 99 braves. First Thanksgiving went on for three days as English settlers and natives feasted and celebrated side by side. 
but the Pilgrims didn't forget that starving time that killed half their number. Governor Bradford put five kernels of corn on everybody's plate and asked everybody there to give him five things they were thankful for that first year in Plymouth. And that's what we consider our first Thanksgiving. No, that is so, honestly, Bruce, just kind of gives me chills because we, every Thanksgiving, those of us that are Christians, and I'm encouraging any of you who aren't, uh, thank, thanking, thanking God or just being grateful is a, is, a, is a great place to be emotionally, and it's the right way to look at life. And so just that whole idea, putting five kernels on the plate, I'd never heard that before, Bruce. I hadn't either, and I have to tell you that um, once I met you and we started spending Thanksgivings together, you made it a, a very strong point that before we would eat, you would go around the table and ask people, what are you thankful for? And I mean, with my family, we were always very thankful, but we just said a common prayer, a community prayer, never never went one by one. And I remember thinking, oh boy, <laughs> I remember thinking, I'm uncomfortable. But after watching and listening, now I love it when we go around the table, and especially when we have the little ones with us, and they they say what they're thankful for. Yes, which I have to, I'll tell a per, we'll have to tell that story. We were in Scotland a couple of years ago for Thanksgiving. We used to always go see the kids on Thanksgiving, it's easier than Christmas. Besides, we wanted the kids to know their American heritage, and so we were in their home in Scotland, and we were putting, like, beautiful leaves. Liesl's an artist, that's their mom, and she was she had made these beautiful leaves, and they were the kids were saying what they were thankful for. All of us were writing it on a leaf and putting it on a, the window. And our Asa was about two, I think he was two or three years old, perhaps. And about three. Bruce, Bruce you talk, they, we never thought he's such a goofy. He's really mischievous yeah. and so yeah. funny. He's very mischievous. <laughs> he's he's a real character, and you're not used to him being serious that much. And all of a sudden after people were, you know, thankful for various things. And, and it, now it's, now it's little Ace's turn. And out of nowhere, he goes, I'm grateful that, I'm thankful that grandma and grandpa came to see us here in Scotland for Thanksgiving. Oh man. <laughs> Talk about melting yeah, your melting heart. And, putty. Yeah, and he yeah, put his, he yeah. put his little feather with his name up on the, the <laughs> area where they were, they were sticking them. And yeah. oh my gosh, yeah. well, we've never recovered. I yeah, don't yeah, yeah, we've never gotten over that one. But, uh, but gratitude is such, listen, I have trouble with gratitude because I, um, I do have a lot of stress, but boy, I indulge my complaining. The part of me that complains gets indulged a lot and I forget to be thankful. And I think that that's, uh, I really think that's a sin. As a Christian, I'll just tell you uh, that when we live in complaints and we don't have joy, and I don't mean happiness, I mean joy, uh, we don't live in thankness, thankfulness. It just shows a lack of a lack of faith, and it also is disrespectful to God, who any of you listening to me could not argue that you have not been blessed. Some way you may be having terrible trouble right now, illness, whatever, but you know there are blessings in your life, and that's where we need to live. But those first uh, pilgrims, they did thank God. And, um, well, in a second, I want us to revisit uh, two of my favorite presidents. Well, my two favorite presidents, honestly, uh, made declarations for Thanksgiving. And they are so powerful. And I want you to know about them because they came at very crucial times in our nation's history. But first, I just want to uh, also say that when we... 
those of you that are Christians may know this, but some of you won't recognize this. It's a hymn. It's called a hymn. <laughs> oh gosh, and uh, it's a uh, it, it hymns are you know are, are part of Christ, Christian history. Uh, I wish they weren't. I wish they were part of contemporary experience. But uh, hymns just reach down deep. Not all of them, but this next one does, and it's one that we used to sing at Thanksgiving. I don't know if we have Thanksgiving hymns now or Thanksgiving choruses. Perhaps we do. Uh, But this hymn came to mind. It's Come, Ye Thankful People, Come. And I'm going to just read a verse, and uh, and then we're going to listen to just one verse of it, and then we'll come back and talk about these proclamations. And uh, before before we play it, the first verse is, Come, ye thankful people, come. Raise the song of harvest home. All is safely gathered in, ere the winter storms begin. God, our Maker, doth provide for our wants to be supplied. Come to God's own temple. Come, raise the song of Harvest Home. Let's listen. Raise the song of harvest home. All is safely gathered in. They're talking about the crops before the winter storms began and how God provides all our needs. And Bruce, I was just thinking as I was listening to that and rehearsing those words that we can't really even comprehend because we're not, we don't, we're not farmers anymore. Our country was mostly an agrarian culture until the Industrial Revolution. And so people understood what it meant to plant and someone like me, I hardly ever plant anything because I'm I, I'm not a I don't like to get my hands dirty. I confess, to everyone I don't I know, I've always been that way. Uh, but um, just planting, you know about it because you work in our yard all the time. Don't you think we've lost something about growing our food and watching things grow and and depending on the natural elements in our hands and God's blessing of the weather to provide our food? Yes, um, growing something and watching it progress and watching it struggle at times and then recover, it really shows you the power, the awesomeness of God, that he can create these things, whether they be flowers or crops, beans, corn, anything that you grow, it has a cycle. Trees, and they're all unique, and you can see they're, they're all God's creations, and they're all different, but yet the miracle of watching them grow some have to be pruned, some don't. So, I mean, there's just multi- some have to be weeded. There's just multiple things that go into gardening, go into farming. Um, and you're right. So many of us have never even been out on a farm, let alone yeah. watched the work they do and watch the crops grow. It's, it's something that if you really, if you've never done it, you need to do it. Well, and the, the further point is, what if 
you couldn't go to the grocery store, you couldn't get some frozen peas, you couldn't get a frozen turkey, you uh, you couldn't drive to McDonald's for a quick hamburger, that everything you put in your mouth had to be gathered or grown by you. Yeah, we are lost now. I, I've always said to you, if, if the food supply dried up, give civilization about three days before we all went at it with each other. And I, I don't like saying that, but we have become so dependent and so ignorant as to how to sustain ourselves. I mean, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody, you know. If all of a sudden I went to the grocery store today and they said, well, we're done. We're not going to have food anymore. You'll have to go find it on your own. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Can you well, okay, so so that brings me to another point, which then I'm going to make another point, is we, how many people, how, how many of you have ever been really hungry, really hungry. You might, some of you might have fasted, um, but I mean really hungry, days and weeks. I'm reading this Team of Rivals by Doris Kearns Goodwin, and it's about Abraham Lincoln and his his life and his time uh, in the White House, but he was insisting that the soldiers have to eat. They have to eat because they'd go days and they were starving. Um, how many of you have ever been hungry? Really hungry. How many of you have ever been thirsty? How many of you carry in your hand a drink all the time now? I do. I mean, it is incomprehensible for us to think you would be living in a place where you're never warm, like Massachusetts, through a terrible winter, where you're freezing all the time. A new country. Uh, you're trying to grow crops, and the weather is difficult, and the you have these strange people with a different... Uh, of a different tongue, and they know how to farm, and they have to show you, but you've gone so many weeks and months without much food, and suddenly the spring comes, and the harvest is bountiful, and there's game, and there's vegetables, and all of the things that they... Do you think you'd be thankful? How thankful would you be compared to how thankful you are now when we have so much? That's the irony, isn't it, Bruce? They had hardly anything even then, and they were so filled with thanks, and now we have everything, and we're not thankful. Well, there's an old saying that, you know, um, hard times make good people, and good times make soft people. And I think this is an example of that. They were so thankful to have anything, really, enough to get by, enough to live on. And now we complain if we go to a restaurant and our food is not quite cooked correctly or it's not quite as hot as we want. Yeah. I mean, we are, we are so far removed from this. And that's why it, it is great to have Thanksgiving and to try to remind ourselves how much we have to be thankful for. You know, if you ever sat down, you know, I, I'm as guilty of it as anybody. I say my prayers, and I, I, I breeze through them, and in, in two minutes I'm, I'm thinking, wow, man, I'm, I'm kind of out of things to say. But if you ever sit down and take the time to make a list, and make an exhaustive list of all the things in your life that you should be thankful for, it should take you all day. Yeah. You know, uh, and I guess I would say this is not meant to be make any of us uh, other than just repent. If this is your case, if you're like Bruce and I and you find yourself not grateful like you should be, then it's time to repent. It's not time to like 
beat your breast in sorrow, but let's change. All right, let's let's agree that if we've learned anything today, it would be on the issue of being more grateful for what we have. I wa- speaking of being grateful, let me just interject one thing that I know, in spite of all I say about the current healthcare system or our ability to get care, is that we have still good health care. Thank God. Thank you, Lord, that we have such good health care. And we have uh, lots of ways to have it provided. You're going to hear a conversation um, I'm going to have with Dr. Peter Corey in which he sings the praises of people like Christian Healthcare Ministries because the uh, insurance companies are putting restrictions on doctors and putting restrictions on women, uh, women and men about what they can and cannot have and forcing you to get things that you don't want to get. I really do think this is the future of medicine. And so if you would like to check out Christian Healthcare Ministries, go to chministries.org. It works on a cooperative effort where you pool your resources with other Christians, and uh, you take what, when your time comes and you have a need, uh, they meet your need, and when other people have more of a need, then the, the, the pool of money is there for them. It works beautifully. Pierre Corey sang its praises, and he should know. I mean, he's been a doctor on the front lines of, of COVID. Uh, so I'm just telling you, this is worth looking at. It's chministries.org slash Sandy. That's chministries.org slash Sandy. Sandy Rios 24-7. You know, uh, when Jesus taught, he often used these uh, metaphors of growing, things growing, the field. And this is what this verse, all the world is God's own field. Fruit, as praise to God we yield. Wheat and tares together sown are to joy or sorrow grown. First the blade and then the ear. Then the full corn shall appear. Lord of harvest, grant that we wholesome grain and pure. Oh, well, it is beautiful. And what, would you know that our first president, George Washington, was a very strong believer. Uh, he wrote books of prayer. He used to have um, Bible studies with the Secretary of State. He was the chaplain to his troops. He wasn't only, only their general. He was their chaplain. Things that you might not know. He was, uh, he was caught, <laughs> as it were, in a forest praying once on his knees, and he was praying out loud. Uh, which I understand was the, the the habit at the time, and a Tory, a British loyalist, was also walking through those woods and actually saw uh, General Washington and heard what he said and went home to his wife and said, we're going to lose this war. I just heard General Washington praying. <laughs> so that's the kind of man he was. And uh, that was our very first president. And in January of 1795, He actually wrote uh, a proclamation for a national Thanksgiving. You know, think of it. They had won the Revolutionary War. They'd established a new country. And so 
They'd come through great turmoil, and they were feeling very blessed. They were a brand new country, and this is what he said. It is in an especial manner our duty as a people, with devout reverence and affectionate gratitude, to acknowledge our many and great obligations to Almighty God, and to implore Him to continue and confirm the blessings we experienced. Deeply penetrated with this sentiment, I, George Washington, President of the United States, do recommend to all religious societies and denominations, and to all persons whomsoever within the United States, to set apart and observe Thursday, the 19th day of February, next, as a day of public thanksgiving and prayer, and on that day to meet together and render sincere and hearty thanks to the great ruler of nations for the manifold and signal mercies which distinguish our lot as a nation. And he goes on to say, especially for the Constitution, the government which is we've established, establishing liberty with order for the preservation of our peace, foreign and domestic, for the reasonable control which has been given to a spirit of disorder in the suppression of the late insurrection, and generally for the prosperous condition of our affairs, public and private, and at the same time humbly and fervently beseech the kind author, and he means God, it's it's capitalized, of these blessings graciously to prolong them to us, to imprint our hearts a deep, solemn sense of our obligations to him for them, and to teach us rightly to estimate their immense value to preserve us from the arrogance of prosperity and from hazarding the advantages we enjoy by delusive pursuits, to dispose us to merit the continuance of his favors by not abusing them, by our gratitude for them, and by corresponding conduct as citizens and as men to render this country more and more safe and propitious, an asylum for the unfortunate of other countries, to extend among us true and useful knowledge, to diffuse and establish habits of sobriety, order, morality, and piety. And finally, to impart all the blessings we possess or ask for ourselves to the whole family of mankind. And then he signs it and says, this is George Washington. That's the very first Thanksgiving proclamation. Uh, I, I think when he talks about bewaring of the arrogance of having so much blessing, that is something that, you know, and I don't want to make this show a downer. No. So I just want to talk about, I don't want to keep saying we're doing wrong, but I think we have uh, found ourselves in an arrogance of prosperity. Of, of prosperity, thinking it's deserved by us, thinking we've worked enough that we yeah. deserve it. I've worked hard, uh, I deserve this. Yeah. yeah. It also strikes me that he speaks about sharing with other countries in there. Now, we're a brand new nation. We, we were struggling and already... George Washington is talking about sharing with other countries. And that's what the United States has become. And that is, the I think, when you talk about divine intervention by God to a country to help to save the world, that's what the United States is. Um, and I understand that a lot of us now think that the worm has turned and that God is judging our country, and he may very well be. But if he is, there's probably good reason for it, and that's because if you go back to the days of George Washington when we were struggling, we didn't have that much, and already we were supposed to be based in thanks to God and humbleness and sharing. And when you think of where we are now, 
we are not there. And that may be one of the reasons why we are starting to fall away. You know, the history of the world, most empires, I'll call us an empire, um, they've lasted maybe 250 years. And it always seems to be the same cycle where people turn away from um, acting in a, a Christian way or acting under Christian, even if they didn't know Christianity, at least acting morally, and they start to act immorally. And when you think of all the things we do in this country, we are an immoral country at this point. Not everybody, but I, I would think if God's looking down on us, he's thinking there is so much immorality there. I've given you so much blessing, and you've repaid me by being immoral. That you know, it's never too late to repent, it's never too late to be forgiven, but we are hurtling down that highway of not embodying the fundamentals that we were established at. That's true, all of it. But I do think this is a time, this is a time while we're still free people, while we can still talk about God and tell our children our history, the great history of this country, because it is woven it is his story. It truly is. Uh, this is a time for gratitude in different ways, for thanking God for today, thanking God for you know each moment, thanking God for all the good things that you have. Well, many of you are already thankful, and I know that because you give generously, and I know that you do that for preborn. Many of you give so generously to them because they tell me that. And I want to remind you again today that uh, if you can make a donation here at Thanksgiving to pay for more ultrasounds for women who are not, uh, they're just concerned about being pregnant, don't think they can carry that baby, or they may have selfish reasons. Who knows? But we want to help them by showing them what their baby looks like and persuade them that there is, as Luke Luke said to Theophilus, there is a more excellent way. (laughs) And so there is a more excellent way for your life, and that is to, to, to keep your baby. And we can help women along to come to that conclusion by showing them their baby through an ultrasound. That's what Preborn does. Go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy and make your most generous donation. That first Thanksgiving in 1621 wasn't just one big meal. It was a three-day festival of eating, hunting, and other entertainments in honor of the Pilgrims' first successful harvest. The Indians killed five deer as gifts for the colonists. So venison was definitely on the first Thanksgiving menu. But we bet you didn't know that turkey was not. They also didn't have pumpkin pie or potatoes, which hadn't been introduced to New England yet. And while they may have eaten cranberries, they would have been served plain, not in a sauce or relish. The Pilgrims didn't plan on starting a Thanksgiving tradition. In fact, they didn't repeat the November celebration in subsequent years. In 1789, President George Washington announced the first ever national Thanksgiving holiday, which took place on Thursday, November 26th. But it didn't become an annual tradition nationwide until the 19th century. That's when an American writer named Sarah Josepha Hale, most famous for writing the nursery rhyme Mary Had a Little Lamb, was inspired by a diary of pilgrim life to recreate that first Thanksgiving feast. Beginning in 1827, Hale waged a nearly 30-year campaign to make Thanksgiving a national holiday. She also published recipes for pumpkin pie, turkey, and stuffing that probably didn't appear on the pilgrim's plates, but would become the staples of modern Thanksgiving meals. In 1863, in the midst of the Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln announced that the nation would celebrate Thanksgiving every year on the final Thursday in November. 
But did you know, in 1939, President Franklin D. Roosevelt decided to move the holiday up a week to give Depression-era retailers more time to make money during the free Christmas shopping season. The move was widely criticized, and in 1941, FDR signed a bill fixing Thanksgiving on the fourth Thursday in November, where it stays today. That stays today, and that's what we're talking about is Thanksgiving. I hope you have some great plans for Thanksgiving. We are going to spend it with very, very dear friends, friends like family, so we're very grateful. A sweetheart. Yes. You have, let's talk about what we remember from our childhood from Thanksgiving. Well, just a side note first, I I needed to be there at the very first Thanksgiving because (laughs) I have to admit, I'm a real curmudgeon when it comes to Thanksgiving dinner. My grandma was a wonderful cook. She could make anything. And I have to admit, I don't like hardly any, especially when I was a kid. I didn't like turkey. I didn't like cranberries. I didn't like stuffing. All I would eat is the rolls and mashed potatoes. And only if your mother made them. (laughs) And what would always happen is the way we would spend our day is we used to go out, get up in the morning at like 5 o'clock to go hunting. And my grandmother would already be up cooking for X number of people, at least a dozen, on a stove that could fit in a, a, you know, a, 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 a phone booth. And uh, we'd, we'd go out and we'd go quail and rabbit hunting, and then we'd come back at noon, and she'd have all the table laid out, everything would be ready to go, and we'd just sit down in our hunting clothes and eat. And I would always end up by my Uncle Joe, who loved everything about Thanksgiving meal, and as everything would be passed to me, I would try to just get it, slide it by me without taking any. And my Uncle Joe, who really never said anything, he was the most <laughs> silent man I ever met, would always comment loud enough for everyone in the room to hear, oh, you're not having any cranberries, Bruce? Oh, you're not having any stuffing, Bruce? And all eyes in the room would turn on me. And my poor grandma, who had slaved all day, not that she you know, she indulged me. She gave me whatever I wanted. Uh, that, <laughs> but that's I just, the problem. <laughs> I just felt badly for her. So I should have been at the very first Thanksgiving and where there the was no turkey, and, pumpkins, or yeah. cranberries. No, no, you no. You mm-hmm. should have been there so you could learn to be grateful for what well, was before you. you. You weren't hungry. and You remember? Your mother said, well, you're not very hungry. Do you that's right. You must not be hungry then. My mother used that on me. Our Thanksgivings, you know, my folks were not big on tradition. I mean, we celebrated the holidays, but they came up so hard that just having a wonderful meal was, that's what we did. And my mother was, um, she was a wonderful cook, just wonderful cook. And I, unlike you, I liked the turkey and everything that she fixed. It was just, a, that was our tradition, my mother's food. And we would gather around the table and we would, you know, talk about being grateful too, but it, it's not a, it was always meaningful. You know, for some reason, Bruce, Thanksgiving and Easter have been always been so special to me because they're family times, and I always get kind of lonely, you know, when uh, when these holidays come because it makes me think of my family, my mom and dad, and my sister and my kids. Later, uh, my parents used to always come to my house um, because I had Sasha in the wheelchair, and it was easier for them to drive to Chicago. And we would celebrate. My mother would bring her cooking to Chicago, and so <laughs> right. uh, and thus and thus the uh, loop is completed. Yeah, it's sort of interesting that your family would travel from southern Illinois to Chicago to be with you, and we would travel from Chicago to southern Illinois to be with my grandmother. And, you know, this week marks nine years since my mom passed away, and, you know, I think of 
of Thanksgiving, and <clears throat> that was our best holiday as a family because we had an extended family that we didn't live near anyone in our family. And so we, we would gravitate back to my grandma in southern Illinois, my grandma and grandpa, to have holidays. And it was so special because that's the one time a year that all of our family from Springfield, Illinois, and from southern Illinois, we would all gather together. It is wonderful, and that's uh, that's something I think a lot of people listening to us, Bruce, who especially from the Christian tradition, are real close with their families, and they, they see family a lot, and they value family. You and I don't have much family, and so we, we can't in some ways relate to that sometimes. We don't have lots of kids and grandkids and extended family to come, you know, around. So, uh, but anyway, I think that these holidays are a, a, re, a way to help us reconnect and be grateful also for those, those family units. Well, um, there are a lot of ways to celebrate today, and I hope that you will just join in with us and be grateful. Aren't we grateful? God spoke to me this morning early when I was feeling anxious and full of anxiety and worry and ungrateful, and I just determined I'm, I'm going to have more joy. I am going to, because I have every reason in the world to be joy-filled. And I share that with you to challenge you today, no matter what's happening in our country, overseas, uh, what's happening uh, in, your, in your families, find things to be grateful for and thank God for them. Well, I want to remind you that uh, we have sponsors that would be, you know, you could really trust your investment with them. It's CH Ministries, Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org slash Sandy. Check them out. And of course, Preborn in the business of providing ultrasounds for uh, moms with unborn babies. It's preborn.com slash Sandy. Remind you that this is Sandy Reels 24-7 and that you can call us at 662-821-2040. Find us at any podcast platform. Email us at sandy at AFR.net. From Bruce and I, we should say together, Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Tiger. Thank you, sweetheart. Same to you.